Okay, good morning. This is Memorial Weekend Sunday, and uh, James has asked me to uh, take the class this morning and share a little bit of my uh, testimony in my journey in grace. And uh, so I'm happy to do that. And uh, I'm just going to ask Russ if he just open in prayer for us this morning, and we'll get rolling. What you've done, what you've done is complete, it's thorough. Father, we just thank you that because of the privilege of believing, you have injected us into yourself. Yes. Lord, we just thank you for the privilege of being able to rest and hearing uh, an edifying word today through Jason. So, Father, we just act, ask that your Holy Spirit uh, amplify and allow our hearts to receive reality of what he's about to share because of his giftings and his talents. And Lord, thank you for the work you're about to do in our lives. May revelation take place, our lives be changed, and it be to the glory of God in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Uh, first of all, I'd like to briefly introduce myself. I'm Jason Robinson, my lovely wife Janie right here in the front. Uh, as uh, fate would have it, we met in Bible school many, many years ago. And uh, later on went out to uh, be missionaries with New Tribes Mission. Uh, we were missionaries with them for about 25 years. And uh, so uh, a little over a decade ago, we found ourselves back working in the world through a number of circumstances. And uh, on my way to work, I noticed a sign pop up over here on 434 Grace Church. Well, that was about five years ago, and I've only been coming here about a year and a half, so you know how long I drove by the sign before I decided to drop in. And, and the big reason was I had gone to a Grace Church before, and I really wasn't ready for the legalism that I had found in that church, and I was kind of hoping well, maybe this church might have some uh, grace being brought forth in, in the uh, Midst. And so um, we found out that, yes, Grace Church does teach grace. And it's been uh, a, a wonderful journey uh, for myself, for my family, and my extended family. Um, it wasn't that uh, I didn't understand uh, grace uh, and the finished work of Christ. Uh, I spent a lot of time studying, a lot of time teaching. Um, but I... I personally didn't really get how it affected me on a daily basis. Uh, I think that uh, I was just exhausted spiritually from trying to comply with all the, uh, well, there's a lot of commandments in the New Testament, too, and we're going to touch on those. Uh, I counted one day 168, and, and I quit counting. So I'm guessing there's around 200 commandments in the New Testament, as well as, you know, all the the flavor of the Old Testament coming at us. So there's a lot of things to do, and it's uh, really, really difficult to do all those things. Um, but I'm so thankful that God drew me here and uh, to grace. Uh, when we started coming, um, I, I really didn't know what to think about Clark and James. Um, you know, I'd hear something in the service, and I'd go, What? What? I'd make a note, and I'd go home, and I'd study all week and get ready for the next Sunday, you know. And uh, uh, little by little, 
the Lord began to teach me uh, the things that uh, he wanted me to know about grace and how it uh, should affect every area of our life, how we think of Christ, how we think of ourselves, how we think of others. And I um, just have had a, a, a fuller understanding of how that I should apply grace to particularly my, my study of the word. And having come up in, in more of a right-wing Christian background, uh, it's a lot, so much of that is based on doing, performing, making yourself look good, not uh, in any way uh, making a bad example for Christ or your church or your organization, think like we do, act like we do, and so forth. So it's, it's, it, as you go through... 25 years of that in my other my prior life before I even got there my parents were missionaries as well so I um, have had a lot of indoctrination into uh, behavior modification is what we call it here and uh, I wasn't very good at it actually um, but uh, what I have done now is as I approach the scriptures Instead of looking for what I'm supposed to do and what all the rules are, what I'm looking for now is, is that how grace can apply to this passage. How do I interpret this passage based on grace and the finished work of Christ? And it is like I am reading a whole new book. Uh, I don't know. Have any of you had that experience? It's a whole new book. Uh, it's, it's uh, something that uh, I was uh, texting James uh, yesterday or the day before. I was reading through Romans 3 and 4. Uh, I've been a Romans freak my entire life. I, I, I have read that book so many times. I have studied it in depth and in detail and taught it. And uh, it was like I was reading it for the first time. And to see that I don't have to do anything. And hopefully we can see more of that as I go through. Because what I really want to talk about today is our Christian growth. And uh, Christian growth is, is a subject that comes up. And um, there's a lot of different views and ideas about it. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to hope to share some things that I've been seeing. I'm still growing in it. I'm still learning about it. I may make a few mistakes as I go along, but uh, hopefully we'll, we'll generate some dialogue. And uh, you can come up and uh, go, what did you say that for? And I'll go, well, I'm not really sure. I'll have to think about that, you know, but we'll, we'll get through it. Uh, first of all, uh, the first uh, area that I want to talk about is Christian growth and how it is often looked at or referred to as progressive sanctification. And, and I know Clark and James have both touched on this, and, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, but I just want to talk in the sense that why do people want to grow? You know, I mean, I thought it was a good question to ask. Why, why do I want to grow? Why would anybody want to grow? Um, I think some of it's just human nature. You know, I like to golf. I want to get better. You know, I'm, I'm a Christian. I, I want to be a better Christian. It, it's kind of in our, uh, in our humanity, generally, to want to, to get better. So, 
I think it holds true of spiritual things as well. I don't want to just be a baby and we read verses. Don't be a baby. You know, get off the milk, get into the meat. So uh, there's pressure to push us in a direction. And... uh, but then the question here at Gracewood, if I'm already perfect, why do I need to grow? You know, I mean, that's something to really think about. However, it's abundantly clear from Scripture that we should grow. And there's uh, numerous verses that we can go over. First Peter 2.2, 2, like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. 2 Corinthians 3.18 But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into that same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. Ephesians 4. As a result, we are no longer to be children, tossed about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, etc. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. So... uh, and then finally, I guess here in Peter three eighteen, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, and there's many other verses. So growth is an important aspect. It's um, something that, in my experience, I, I have uh, that that many of us are motivated by a wrong understanding of why we need to grow, how we need to grow, when do we grow, what is it that grows. But generally, I think there's two basic results of this misunderstanding of the growth principles in Christians' lives. First of all, it's I've got to do these things to please God and to stay in fellowship in Him. And we, we've heard that. If you've read Clark's book, it, it, it's all over there. Um, do you think God's going to be pleased with you if He scared you into growth? I mean, that's the thing I think about. It's like, I do this to please him and make him happy and stay in fellowship. Man, that's going to make him happy? No, I, I really don't. It, it sounds more like something the devil would do, actually. The second thing is that more Christians are caught up in what I call a spiritual capitalism. And that capitalism being related to America and our capitalistic society. We work hard, we get rewards. You know, and, and this is what I think a lot of us do. And we think that if we work hard and become better Christians, I get rewarded. I get more blessings. I get crowns in heaven. Think, think about that. Putting God into debt. Do you think that's a motivation for spiritual growth? I mean, really? So these are the two things I'm thinking. You know, it's, it's uh, scaring me into growth putting God into debt. I'm, it just, and, and um, these two self-motivated errors are only going to end up in two ways. Either you're going to be spiritually proud because I'm successful at this, or I'm going to have a hopeless attitude. I can never get this done. So there's these two very real things that happen. And I think through my life, I've been in both of those categories at times. I'm I'm, look at me, I'm spiritual, look at him, he's not, you know. Or the other time when I'm honest, see, I'm deceived there, but when I'm honest, I'm, I'm hopeless. I'm hopeless. I'm hopeless. I can't keep those 200 commands, directives, 
pieces of good advice in the New Testament. I can't do it all. We can do it, and I'm going to talk to you about that pretty soon. We can do them, but it's the way we view these things. All of this belongs to the dead works category that Hebrews 9.4 talks about. Cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. But to sum it up, spiritual growth should happen, but it generally doesn't happen the way Christianity really looks at it. And it was not happening in my life. So I set about applying grace and the finished work of Christ to all the growth chapters and the growth verses. And, and uh, I'm going to talk to you a little bit of what I found. And the first thing is, why would God want us to grow anyway? Okay? Why does he want us to grow? But certainly not to make me look better. Because I look pretty good in his eyes. And that's one thing I've learned here. I look pretty good in his eyes. I like that. We're going to look at 1 Peter 2, 5 and 9 to just get a couple things to look at as to why God wants us to grow. I believe there's other reasons he wants us to grow, but these are the two primary things I pulled up. First Peter 2, 5. You also, as living stones, are built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood. To offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Spiritual sacrifices are things like prayer, thanksgiving, almsgiving, praise, myself. Those are spiritual sacrifices. One of the reasons God wants us to grow is to Godward, to Himward. It's, It's us putting that stuff back up there, praising him because it's, it's all him. And he wants to see us understand that principle through our thanksgiving, our praise, bringing ourselves to him, and uh, particularly prayer as well. And like I said, I'm sure that we can all add to this list as we go along. The second thing is outward to others in verse 9. So that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. But to be honest, I can't really, I can read from scripture about the excellencies of Christ. I can tell people about things that I know. But the excellencies need to be based on grace and the finished work of Christ as Christ is working through us. That is how we minister the gospel. I was reading before that, uh, that when I don't really understand grace and I'm trying to give forth the gospel, it's a very weak gospel. It's, it's, and the word was effet, you know, French word for not much there. And, and I'll tell you, uh, you know, I spent 15 years in Indonesia with my wife and family. And, you know, we taught a lot of great things, but... Uh, I would really like to go back and and finish it up (laughs) after learning so much that that, uh, Christ has showed me here. But then, does growing have any benefit to me personally? Hey, uh, what more do you want? You know, you're in Christ. He's in you. You have all spiritual blessings. Eternal life. Do you, do you really need any more than that? Well, 
I think there's something that there is there. And it's, he just wants me to learn more of him and find rest for my soul here on earth. Matthew eleven twenty nine. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. That's a pretty good reason to grow for us, I guess. I look at a lot of people, and I see they really need some rest in their life. I know I did. And uh, it's by the grace of God that, that he has opened my eyes and the eyes of my family to begin to see this in a much clearer way. The last thing I want to discuss briefly is how do we grow, or rather, and this is the key to the whole thing, how does Christ grow his manifestation of himself through us? Because that is really the growth that is real and of import. First of all, though, I, I wanted to share that I've tried to boil growth down to some kind of formula. I've tried to define it. Uh, you know, I'm one of these guys, I, you know, I like everything packaged up and finished. And, uh, but it's, it's, it is something that we can begin to get a start in. We can understand some things about it. But if we want to put this thing in a box, uh, we're going to be hard-pressed to do that. Uh, it's uh, trying to put Christ in a box. You know, I mean, he fills the entire universe. Uh, Russ and I were trying to talk about how is it that Christ is in you and you are in him, and how does, you know, try to do- draw a diagram and figure it all out. But it's, it's tough. But when he fills the whole universe, you are in him. And if he fills the whole universe, he's filling you. So, I mean, maybe that's one way to describe it. But anyway, like John the Baptist said in John 3.30, he must increase, but I must decrease. And I'm going to go over things that are just little general principles relating to to growth. He must increase, I must decrease. But I'm also seeing how much the process of growth and walk is is sort of a corollary with our salvation. Colossians 2.6. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. Okay, I did it this way, now I'm supposed to oh, I'm supposed to do it that very way. For by grace have you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So I've sort of paraphrased how a walk or growth verse would sound related back to Ephesians 2, 8, 9. My walk is by grace, through faith, and that not of myself, it is the gift of Christ manifesting himself through me and is not a result of my own works, so that I may not boast. So, and this is what got me so much when I was reading chapters 3 and 4 of Romans, it's, it's really talking about justification, but you take this corollary of my walk and put it up against that, you see it. It's clear how... how you, it's not of works. You can't do it. And if I can't do that, how then? I, if I couldn't keep those 613, how am I going to keep these 200? You know, oh, I have the Holy Spirit? No, I still can't. But he can. And that's where we're going with this thing. He can. Again, just as in my initial coming to faith, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Growth comes by hearing, 
and hearing by the word of God. We want to grow. One step we take is start intaking. We're going to talk about in a second drawing near. As I mentioned earlier, there's about 200 pieces of commands, directives, good advice, so forth. Uh, I believe that those things are written to my new man that cannot sin. So that new man cannot not do these things. But they're there so that I might recognize them when I see them in others and myself. Okay? It's not something that all these things are written and we just ignore them because I'm in grace. No, they're there for us to recognize them because of the grace that we have. And to expect that God is going to take those things and put them into my life. My new man has no problem with these things. And so this is where we, you know, not to be afraid of those things, but in a sense to embrace them, but knowing I can't do it or I don't want to be doing this. I want Christ through me to be doing these things. In Hebrews, one of the sub-things is sub-themes is being a comer to God or one that draws near. And, and this is really the only true path to growth. It's not running around trying not to do all these things. It's putting your eyes on Jesus and just kind of cuddling up, you know, and learning of him. And as we do that, that just turns him on. He's going to start turning you on, but it's going to be through him. He's the one that does this work. We need to leave everything that we have trusted and relied on, leave it at the cross, draw near to him so that we can receive the great and exceeding promises. We can't gain those through our own efforts. An old saint once said that dead works do not accomplish the work God gives man to do. We must partake and receive of God so fully that he more than fills my life. It will then not be a work of myself, but an overflow of his person in me. And that I want. Because I'm tired of me. So is my wife. (laughs) Anyway, we need to trust in something completely out of ourselves. Remember Mary and Martha? That cute little story? Mary chose the better part. I could never figure that out. I I was a hard worker. What is this bum over here sitting there by the feet of Jesus? You know, hey, get her up. Get her out here and help her work. No, Mary chose the better part. And if we want to see these growth principles become effective in our lives, that's what we need to do. We need to stop it all. Go to his feet and allow him to start manifesting himself through us. And he will. And that's when we start seeing these great and exceeding promises coming into our lives. That that connection, that communion that he so desires and 1 John talks about. Just bask in his love and presence as Mary did. A wrong understanding of this principle promotes all kinds of unfortunate results, not the least of which 
as I have mentioned, spiritual pride, helplessness. But it, one of the things it also does, if we're looking at growth in the wrong way, we start judging other people. And so I brought along Romans 14.4 4, to help us with that. Who are you to judge? The servant of another. To his own master he stands or falls. And I love this. And he will stand, for he is able to make him stand. You know, who are we to, well, look at me and look at him. No, what we need to do is that we all understand we are perfect. We're in Christ. It's a level playing field. We all came to Christ on a level playing field. Why is it going to be different now? It's not different. We're still on the level playing field. The only difference is you can come to God and he can release himself through you or you can continue going on in dead works. But it really boils down to being pretty simple. Drawing near to him. Um, Paul says a couple things about himself. By the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me did not prove vain, but I labored even more than all of them. But that's not the end of the verse. Yet not I, but the grace of God with me did. So he acknowledges that's how you get here. He's saying, look at all the stuff you can do. But it starts here. You know, we, we, we need to stop from everything we've done. I don't care where we are in our, in our lives, old like me, young like some of you. You stop what you're doing. You go to him and let him reorganize your life. I had to go through a desert of about 10 years until God brought me to the point that I can't do it on my own. I was desperate, totally exhausted. We just need to keep in mind that one of the reasons that this level playing field has got to be this way is that so we see everyone the same way. No one's holier, better. We stand on the even ground. All the world's guilty before God. All believers are in Christ. Okay? So we see all these corollaries between this walk and coming to Christ. Coming to Christ, we came to Christ to get saved. We come to Christ for our growth. And that growth really isn't for us. It's for him and it's for others. We just get to rest in that and watch it like a movie. That's really the neat thing about it. Um, there's just a couple other verses here that I would like to wind down on. Uh, Miles Stanford uh, said, If we look to other Christians as examples to follow... We will soon be discouraged by the prevailing low standard. Okay? If we look to Christ as our example, we will be utterly discouraged because of his infinitely high standard. Hence, it is essential that we understand that the Lord Jesus is our life. He is not a legal example to emulate but the source of life from which, he, from which we grow. And, 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 that's, and, and, you know, and ultimately, we'll be redeemed and be just like him. So I think it's a neat statement. Again, just want to remind you, 2 Corinthians 3.18, But we all, with open, va- open face or unveiled face, beholding it as a mirror, the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into that same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. 
In Philippians 1.6, For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Jesus Christ. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Whereby are given us great and exceeding and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature. Don't be taken in or occupied with a process of the transformation. What are we supposed to be focused on? The transformer. <laughs> okay? Okay? Anyway, I'd just like to mention a few words of an old chorus that uh, I used to sing when I was young. Uh, it says, Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Can we sing it? I, I'm not going to sing it. Your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim. In the light of his glory and grace. This is exceedingly good news. I can't save myself. I can't grow myself. All I can do is receive these great love gifts from Christ. Growth is a process. Sometimes we have to be patient. God has a plan for each one of us. You know, we all have a unique soul print. Every one of us is different. And I think that's because... He gets a a real charge out of the way each one of us worships. How would it be if every single human being on the planet worshiped God in the same way? It would be very boring to him. And we know that God is not a boring God. Every one of us is different. We just appreciate all those differences. So that's all I have for you today. I appreciate you listening and so forth. Let's just, let's just close in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for all these promises. We love you because of who you are. We just ask that in some small measure today that you'll open our eyes to more of how you want us to come to you and to sit at your feet and just to let you do the work. Thank you again for the grace of God and the finished work of your Son. In Christ's name, amen. Amen.